0: Good morning everyone. I hope you're doing well. Today is Wednesday, May 19th. Looks like the sun is finally shining in North Texas after a whole lot of rain. And I'm excited to be with you today as we study 1 Timothy chapter 2. So I got some good stuff here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, happy happy to be going through this with you thank you to all those who have been listening for those of you who have been uh downloading on the uh, grace abides podcast and the no shortage of questions podcast glad you're uh glad you're listening a quick note for those listening on the no shortage of questions podcast i've been asked i was asked the question did we fire andy what happened to andy i don't know what happened to andy i love andy andy's my buddy Actually, I just talked to him on the phone a couple weeks ago. Uh, something happened. We just got really busy, and um, we will be back together. Just want to let you know that. Uh, Andy and I will be back doing the No Shortage of Questions podcast again soon together. Uh, but uh, glad you're listening. Glad to be able to provide something for you to listen in the meantime. And I uh, hope you're doing well and enjoying this. And I know it's much more enjoyable when Andy's uh, when Andy's with me. So we'll be getting back to Andy soon. Okay, so let's jump right in. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, talking about prayer, talking about prayer. Paul writes, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. Okay. So some good stuff here about prayer, uh, some important stuff here about prayer, uh, lessons that are very applicable to us today and all throughout history. First of all, pray for all people. Pray for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Pray for everyone. It says they'd be made for everyone. That's the end of verse one. For all, everyone, which means we don't we don't pray just for the people in our community. We don't pray just for the people in our state. We don't pray just for the people in our country, but we pray for everyone, everyone around the world, right? Pray for everyone. It's okay. I mean, pray for the people in your community. Pray for the people in your state. Pray for the people in your country. But pray for the people all over the world. Pray for the high and the low. Pray for the rich and for the poor. Pray for the good and for the bad. Pray for the Republican. Pray for the Democrat. Pray for everyone. Pray for everyone. Christians and non-Christians alike. Pray for everyone. And what's interesting here is he says, you know, pray for those in authority. Those who are in high positions, kings, and all, pray for those who are in authority, so that we may live a quiet and peaceable life, in all godliness and dignity. Pray for those people who are in positions of authority. Pray for the president, whether you like him or not. Pray for the vice president, whether you like her or not. Pray for your politicians, pray for your police officers, pray for your mayors, pray for your governors, pray for senators, pray for representatives, pray for everybody, people on councils, people pray for everybody so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dig- dignity. Now, I know that some people are gonna hear this and say, well, I don't wanna pray for that person. Or maybe a year ago, you don't wanna pray for that person, right? But remember, kings and those who were in high positions at this time were were hostile towards the church. They were not friends of the church. They were not inviting church leaders into their homes. They were not inviting church leaders into their offices. They wanted to get rid of the church. And so Paul is telling Timothy to pray for those who are in authority, those who do not like you, those who want to see you go away. Pray for them anyway. Pray for them anyway so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life uh, in, in... you know, a life without violence, <laughs> a life without concern of violence, a life of peace and security. Uh, I think it's an important part of what it means to, uh, to be a Christian is to pray for everyone. Pray for your enemies, Jesus said. Pray for those in authority. Pray for everyone. Pray. Okay. Now, what's interesting here is that Paul uses four words for prayer, right? It's supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. So it's four different Greek words that Paul is using. First is desis, D-E-E-S-I-S would be how you pronounce it, uh, which is a, cr- a request, a supplication, right? You're in a time of need. could be used for uh, that you would accre- request that f- something from God, right? Or from another human being. You know, if if you were hungry and somebody had bread and you requested a piece of bread, that's basically what the word is. The second is uh, prosuke, which is pray, prayer, uh, a request that's only addressed to God, that's only made to God. You would only ask God for this. Uh, The next is entoixis. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. My Greek professor would probably fail me retroactively, Um, which is an intercession or a petition, uh, which literally means to enter into a king's presence and submit a petition to him, right? To enter into a king's presence and ask the king for something. Uh, and then Eucharista or Thanksgiving, what, uh, you know, prayer is not just asking for things, but it's giving thanks for things. Uh, it's giving thanks for, you know, what, all the good things that we have in life, you know, all the good things we have, the, the food that we have, the people that we have, it's get, you know, every prayer should include thanks for something, um, unless it's a, you know, prayer in crisis, obviously, but, uh, uh, so four different ways to look at prayer, uh, you know, making a request as we would make a request to anyone, uh, making a prayer, uh, a prayer, which is just only addressed to God, an intercession, which means to, you know, enter into a King's presence and submit a petition to the King and, uh, thanks a prayer of Thanksgiving Eucharista. So, um, there's, a uh, Paul's, Paul's, uh, advice, Paul's counsel, Paul's Direction to Timothy is to pray uh, in these four ways and to pray for everyone, including those who are in authority. And I would say that we are at a time in, in our country where, you know, our leaders need prayers, no matter who they are. Our leaders need prayers. And so we, uh, we should pray for them uh, each and every day. Okay, verses five and six. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind. Christ Jesus himself, human who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. So there's one God, there's one God, which is, you know, Paul is writing to a church that uh, is in the middle of Gentile territory, right? It's a church at Ephesus and uh, the the Greek understanding of religion has kind of uh, made its way into the church and so they're, you know, Zeus and all the other Greek gods. And, and so Paul is making sure that there's only one God. There's only one God. There's only one God to worry about. There's only one God to please. There's only one God to worship. Plain and simple. There's only one God. And it, it, which is good news because people at the time, they, they were afraid because there were so many gods. They were they, There were so many gods that they had to keep happy. And so, you know, you could make Zeus happy, but maybe, you know, one of the other gods, you're not making happy and they could, you know, strike you down, strike you down. And, and so, There's only one God whose nature was to love, right? Whose nature was to love. This is liberating news for people. This is good news. This is good news for people who have been living a life where they have been trying to please many gods. And many of those gods, most of those gods, their nature is not love, right? And so uh, this is good news for them. And then he says there's one mediator between God and humankind, and that is Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Uh, and so, you know, we don't need to. Um, we don't need to pray to anyone other than Christ. We don't need to pray to anyone other than God, right? Uh, most religions believe in many mediators. Uh, they even the Jewish people did. If you go back to Daniel chapter six, you know, it talks about praying to different mediators. But prior to Jesus, humans never had an invitation for direct access to God, right? They there was always something. There was the priest, there was, al- there was always something in between them and God. And so uh, after the day of Pentecost, which is what we're going to celebrate this Sunday, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within those who believe, right? The Holy Spirit has been given to us and dwells within us. And so there is nothing separating us from God. There is n- God is with us. And so we can talk to God at any time. We can talk directly to God. We don't need to. We don't need to find a mediator to to go to God on our behalf. Um, which which means you know, if there's many gods and many mediators, then you know you are fighting for for the allegiance and loyalty of gods. You know you're doing all that you can to try and please the one, while someone might be trying to please the other, and then the the mediators themselves are trying to. Working towards dividing humanity to get so that they could find people who are loyal to them. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a crazy, uh, it's it's a crazy way to understand our connection with with the holy. And so God says, well, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Jesus is the mediator. Jesus is the mediator, and so we can go directly to Jesus in our prayers. And there's only one God, so you only have to worry about the one God. And this God. Is a God who gave Himself as a ransom for all, uh, so that we know that this God's nature is is loving, which is very very good news. So um, we'll stop there for today. First uh, uh, Timothy chapter two is pretty short, so uh, we'll just leave it there and um, maybe come back uh, next week. So yeah, I noticed nobody left, so I'm assuming y'all want to continue. Um, you want to read the rest of the chapter? Okay, we'll do it. All right. Verses 11 through 14. Let's uh let's have some fun. Verses 11 through 14. Paul writes, "Let a woman learn in silence with full submission. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man; she is to keep silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived," But the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So that's what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And um, yeah, that's not something that uh, we're excited about. (laughs) Uh, So let's go into it. Let's take a deep dive into what Paul wrote and why he wrote it and what we should believe about it. So here we go. Let's do this. So let's look at the situation that Paul is writing to. Paul is writing to Timothy in Ephesus, where the church is running into lots of issues. The church is running into issues of heresy, where people are infiltrating the church and uh, bringing in bad theology, and um, and it's running into an issue of reputation. It's running into an ep- issue of reputation, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so the, first, you have to start with the Jewish understanding of women, how Jews at the time understood Women, women were property, not a person but a thing, and even part through the Old Testament, you see this kind of as as women marry men, they go under the protection and they belong to the men. Um, And then uh, so men go to the synagogue to learn, and women went just to hear. So they weren't they weren't there to learn; they were just to hear what was said. Okay, Greek understanding of women. Respectable Greek women were confined to their rooms, their quarters. And no one went in there except for their husband. So a Greek woman never went anywhere alone, right? And so if a woman was out on the streets by herself, by herself, uh, people looked at it. She wasn't respectable and she was thought of as immoral. Okay, so early Christian churches were places where women were active in teaching and speaking. And so it was an attractive place for these quote unquote immoral, unrespectable women to go. So they would show up there and uh, they would show up there, which is is what you want, right? You want people who are struggling in life, struggling to find joy, struggling with sin, all that stuff. You you want them to come to church, right? You want them to come to church and you want them to listen to what's being said and you want them to be transformed by the gospel. That's what we want, right? But, but sometimes people show up to church with agendas, right? They, they don't come to church because they want to learn. They come to church because they want to teach right? And so all of a sudden Christianity becomes what the Bible says and what I think is right, right? And so that's kind of what what's happening. And so uh, Christianity is running into a reputation uh, problem, right? And so Paul says women should not teach. We're going to come back to that later. Let's look at women in the Bible. What does the Bible as a whole, as a whole say about women? What does the Bible as a whole say about women as leaders? okay. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at women in the Old Testament. Specifically, I want to look at Judges chapter 4, the story of Deborah. Now, this is 3,500 years ago, right? The people of her time had no problem accepting Deborah as their judge. No problem, according to the Bible. So I did a whole lesson on Deborah about a year ago, and I'll post that uh, on the podcast so that you can listen to that. The story of Deborah is an awesome, awesome story. One of my favorite stories of the Bible, how Deborah is a leader within the Jewish community and leads the Jewish army to battle and victory, right? But the victory isn't complete until the next day when another woman, Jael, takes a A a stake from her tent and puts it through the temple of the leader of the Sisera, the commander of the opposing army. Okay. What we get from that story is that the people, the people, 3,500 years ago, the Israelites, they understood that Deborah was called by God to be the judge and her gender wasn't important. 3,500 years ago. That's the Old Testament. All right. Let's look at women in the Gospels, shall we? Women in the Gospels. Okay. The Gospel story starts, doesn't start with Jesus' birth, does it? No. It starts with the Annunciation, the angel visiting Mary and saying, you are going to, the the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you are going to conceive and you are going to give birth to Jesus the Messiah. Right? So the first first, uh, announcement of Jesus coming into the world was to Mary, his mother. And he only came into the world because of Mary, his mother, saying, okay, I'm on board with this plan. And as we go through Jesus' life, we see her there. And in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus ascends, we see her part of the early church. We see her part of the early church with the other disciples. If you read through Acts chapter 1, you will find her name there. And then... When Jesus is resurrected from the dead, the first person to see him is Mary Magdalene. And it was Mary who was the first one to proclaim that Jesus was risen from the dead. Okay, so Mary, Jesus' mother, was the first one to hear that Jesus is coming into the world, that the Savior is coming, and Mary Magdalene was the first one to know that Jesus was risen from the dead. She was the first one to go and proclaim that. So, if you want women to stay silent, why tell them the two most important things first? Clearly, um, clearly the they had to tell somebody. Okay, let's go to women in the New Testament, shall we? Okay, the reading actually for this week, Acts chapter two, the story of Pentecost. Uh, this amazing thing happens where the Spirit descends and is on is on everybody, and you know everyone can hear things in their own language. Then Peter says, "Hey, let's take this opportunity to have a Bible study." And he starts with the prophet Joel, an Old Testament prophet. He quotes an Old Testament prophet. Acts 2, verses 16 through 18. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and all your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I shall pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Okay. So verse 16, sons and daughters, verse 18, I'm sorry, that was verse 17, verse 18, even upon my slaves, both men and women, they will prophesy. They will speak on behalf of God, men and women, sons and daughters. This is Peter right after the resu- the resurrection and Fifty days after the resurrection, right on the day of Pentecost, and then we go through the Book of Acts and we see uh, Priscilla, Priscilla, who's a an early church leader. Priscilla and her husband Aqu- Aquila, friends of Paul, right, who end up both being pastors to the Christian church in Rome. Right, they're like co-pastors. They have a church in their house, and 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 Paul certainly. I mean, if, if you read through Acts, it's always Priscilla and Aquila. It's never like, oh, I'm just, I just, I'm, I just want to tell Aquila this because he's the man, right? It's always Priscilla and Aquila. So, what shall we say? What shall we say? We say that Paul's view in this chapter, I, I would say, is that of a temporary regulation for a given situation, for a church that was in trouble, that was dealing with heresy. That was attracting people with bad reputations and intentions, bad reputations and intentions. I think we can find Paul's permanent view in Galatians three twenty-eight, which is one of the verses used when the ELCA was having their uh, or, uh, prior, the predecessors of the ELCA were having issues as to whether females should be ordained or not. I mean, you know, you have this story of, of Deborah who really you see was ordained by God to be a judge 3500 years ago 3400 years later we start to have well can can a woman be a pastor? Well, Galatians 3 chapter uh, Galatians 3 verse 28 Paul writes there is neither male nor female. Right? We are all one in Christ Jesus. And so our understanding is that this was a temporary thing for a given situation and that's all we're going to do with it. Because here here's your options. You have two options. When it comes to this verse or this passage, you have two options. One is you take one verse out of scripture and make a policy out of that one verse while explaining away or ignoring the many others. Right. Well, while, while explaining away or ignoring the story of Deborah, the story of Mary, the story of, of Acts chapter two, the story of Priscilla. And, and the list goes on. Right. This is just, this is just a, a summary. Or or you take the totality of scripture and recognize that this is the one outlier, recognize that this is the exception. This is the one to explain away, right? Because, because the reasons I've said, a church dealing with heresy, a church in trouble and a church that needs whatever. uh, uh, So Paul thinks this is a solution, whatever. But we see in other places, Paul writes other things. And so, so, you have two options. Which one would you take? For me, I'm taking the second. I'm taking the totality of scripture. I'm taking the story of Deborah. I'm taking the story of Priscilla and Aquila. I'm taking, you know, what Joel said, the prophet. I'm taking Mary being the one, Jesus talked to women all the time. Uh, it, so, that's what I'm taking. That's, that's the way I'm going with it. However, others are going other way, and that's fine. I can't, I, I'm not going to argue with anybody. But here's the problem. Here's the problem is when you when you call Scripture inerrant, what do you do when there's contradictions? What do you do when there's contradictions? What do you do when Peter says women will prophesy and Paul says women shall not speak in church? Well, that's just, it's it's an inconsistent message. Or when Paul says there is neither male nor female, it's inconsistent. So which one is it? If there's neither male nor female then why can't women speak in church? Because when we're in the when we're in a church, when we're in a sanctuary, when we're in worship, we are in God's kingdom, right? We are all one in Christ. And so there's neither male nor female. There is neither free nor slave. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. Circumcised or uncircumcised. So, we're going to let the outlier be the outlier and 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 we're going to trust that Paul knew what he was doing and Paul said what he said for a reason. And, um, and we're going to take the totality of Scripture and see women as leaders throughout all of Scripture and we're going to say that's what we base our understanding on. So there you go. That's what we have. That now we're really done with 1 Timothy chapter 2. And um, feel free to share this with anyone who disagrees with you. Uh, I mean, certainly, people are going to have different opinions. People are going to have different theologies, and they're welcome to it. However, the, if you're a, a member of an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America a congregation or the Methodist Church or any denomination that that ordains women, and you say, "Well, why is it that we do and they don't?" Well, there's your answer. There's your answer right there. So uh, you can rest assured that. I, I, well, I mean, it's up to you, but our theology is the based on the totality of Scripture. So. Um, if you have questions, would love to, uh, would be happy to answer them. Nick at abidinggracedfw dot org, but uh, there you go. So we'll we will stop there now, uh, and close with a word of prayer. Uh, good and gracious God, we thank you for your many servants throughout all of history, for the men and women who have prophesied, for the men and women who have led congregations and people, uh, for, the, for those who have been there in times of need, uh, for those who have proclaimed your love and grace. Uh, we pray that you would help us to to be servant leaders, to to share the gospel with others, uh, to shine your light, uh, to proclaim your love to all those who need to hear it. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, everybody have a wonderful day. Take good care of yourselves and we will see you next Wednesday at 1030 as we go to chapter three.